afternoon. More energy strikes the Earth in the form of sunlight in one hour than all of human civilization derives from petroleum in an entire year. I work with Dr. Darren Lapomi to make stretchable and ultra-flexible solar cells to help acquire energy in a responsible manner at all scales. We start with the fundamentals. Uh, by characterizing some material design rules, we want to see how changing molecular structure changes the mechanics and the electronics of our devices. By changing just one parameter in the field's most well-studied system, a composite of P318 and PCPM, by just increasing the length of this carbon chain from 6 to 8, we found that we could drastically increase the elasticity of our devices. Take, for example, P3HT PCBM, which has a carbon chain length of 6. This solar cell cracks at 3% strain. By adding just two carbon atoms, C8, we can stretch this solar cell to 50%. We use this knowledge to build a biaxially stretchable solar cell on the surface of a hemisphere. And as one would expect, C8 makes a fully functioning device, while C6 experiences catastrophic failure in the form of short circuits. But you'll notice that the current density of C8 is very low. This is because there's a trade-off. As you increase the length of this carbon chain, you increase what you gain in mechanics, you lose in efficiency. So we then wanted to see if we could co-engineer both electronics and mechanics in a single material, or if these properties are forever at odds. We tried block polymers, copolymers, and physical blends, and then we tried C7, which has the efficiency of C6 with the stretchability of C8. We called this study lucky number seven, and we used its results to build the world's most mechanically resilient wearable solar cell, a solar cell capable of conforming to something as dynamic and unpredictable as the human body. We smashed it a thousand times, and it was still able to, at a 75% compression, and it was still able to effectively convert sunlight into electricity. And as a comparison, C6 failed after, after less than 10 cycles. We then used this wearable solar cell to power other wearable electronics. Here, a digital watch, which you could think of as a proxy for a wearable biomedical sensor, as well as an LED and a portable battery. And we did it using natural sunlight. We are now collaborating with a group in Denmark and a company in Denmark that works on scalability. They print solar cells by the kilometer and deploy them on reels to take advantage of high throughput, low cost manufacturing techniques and distribution. And I'm finishing my, solar, my PhD in digitally patterning and inkjet printing solar cells with the goal of using only water as a solvent for the active layer as well as the electrodes. And we're using all of this knowledge to build what we're calling a solar tarp, a mechanically robust electronic material that can be deployed in disaster relief and defense applications. When the grid is knocked out or there is no grid, one can unfurl one of these solar tarps uh, to protect people from the elements while soaking up sunlight and providing power to life-saving equipment below. Thank you. All right, I have to ask. You said you smashed the solar cell a thousand times. I did. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I had to do that by hand. Was that? And I did that with, with, a hammer or with over 12 samples to get the statistics on it. So, no, no, I uh, had to put it on my body while my lab mate held all the equipment to me. And I would have to compress it. And on average, we you know, took a video of it to see what compression we were doing. So, yeah. All right, I got to say, I worked on uh, chemistry for printed solar cells in my PhD. I never got to smash solar cells. We were like, you know, in a, on a sort of lab bench all the time. That's awesome. Why the tarps? So this kind of fills in the gap. Uh, so we had the wearable solar cells, which are sort of personal use. These tarps would provide an, uh, inter, some intermittent, uh, intermittent uh, technology between small scale personal use for devices 
and then grid scale, this would sort of be that um, uh, middle scale energy production for maybe people who live off the grid, developing countries, disaster relief, or military, or defense. And when can we get one? Yeah, so that is the good question, right? Hopefully, we're, we're working on printing the uh, devices now, and then also working on the encapsulation and scale and the uh, uh, what we call this—the um, <coughs> lifetime of the devices. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thank you.